Welcome to Off the Beat, brought to you by SPI Mutual Funds. I'm your host, Jagu, and this is the show where we talk to people who've taken the road less traveled. Wherever they come from, wherever they started from, at some point they say, I'm done with the rut. I want to follow my passion. I want to follow what I think I'm good at. I don't necessarily want the corporate job. Thank you very much. Let me see what I can do for the world. Now, we're talking to someone like that today. We're going to be talking to Pragya Bhatt. Now, Pragya Bhatt has had an incredible childhood, a childhood that we dream of, then got into, uh, let's call it a traditional education, and then chucked it all up and moved into yoga. And that's just the introduction. The stories there are wonderful. Helping us out on the show is going to be Somyajit Ghosh. Now, uh, Somyajit is the uh, founder director of uh, Wealth App Distributors. Now, mind you, he's had uh, plenty of investment banking experience at a whole bunch of MNC banks. In 2014, Somyajit started his own uh, entrepreneurial uh, route, as it were, and uh, he's been a financial advisor, a certified financial planner, a wealth management expert since then. Also, uh, with the uh, Indian arm of uh, Sotheby's International Real Estate. So there's a lot to happen there. Pragya Somyajit, thank you for doing this and welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Pragya, let me, let me come to you just as part of the introduction, because we spoke a little bit just before. Your father was in the uh, Indian Foreign Service. So you've literally lived across how many continents? Uh, it's about, I'd say, seven continents, um, different cities within the continents. Uh, yeah, so about 11 cities in, in six, seven different continents. Just run us through that list just because I'm curious. Yeah. Uh, so we were posted uh, to, to places, very varied kind of places. My, my dad's been posted to Pakistan. We've lived in uh, the U.S. We've lived in Brazil, uh, the Middle East, um, we know Canada, we've been to the UK, Europe, uh, Bangladesh, uh, mm. and uh, yeah, various different, different cities in, in all of these places. Yeah. So that was phase one. Phase two was when you said, right, I'm going to do the traditional thing and do my engineering. So you're also a B-Tech. Yes. And then you joined the corporate world where you worked with uh, Infosys and Accenture. Yes, yes. Um, and, and I think, you know, for a lot of uh, engineers uh, of my age and my generation, that has a lot to do with parental aspirations as well. Uh, so, uh, you know, it, not, not so much about what, uh, you know, what we aspired for, but a lot more about fulfilling our parents' prophecies um, and, you know, their aspirations. So it had a lot to do with that. Because I'd done a BTEC, uh, then, you know, the, the route open for me uh, professionally was, um, you know, to go into an MNC and to work with as a software engineer. Um, so I think a lot of uh, that's that's actually what led me to Infosys and Accenture. Um, not complaining, though. Um, it's, it's, it was fabulous. I learned a lot. Yeah. And then you chose, so I, that was about an eight-year stint, eight, eight-and-a-half-year stint after you uh, graduated from engineering. Yes. Then you chucked it all up because you had an interest in yoga. Now, we spoke about this. We have one thing in common. We had a back issue. Yes. yes. The way I dealt with my multiple back issues and slip discs and muscle spasms were literally I would take to the bed, okay. sit tight for a month, <laughs> and then for the rest of my life, and I continue to do that, have people carry my heavy bags. <laughs> you chose to go down an entirely different route. You not only started yoga, you then became a yoga instructor. You've done your master's and you also written a book. I want to address that, all of that one by one. But it's a huge move, right? You've done your engineering, almost a decade of, uh, well, in the corporate world. 
What was the turnaround? It couldn't have been just the back. Well, uh, you know, back pain is also uh, symptomatic of other problems. If we look talking about uh, holistic health, back pain is not only back pain. It, it uh, you know, denotes a terrible posture. It denotes a, a poor lifestyle. A, a poor lifestyle also uh, means that, you know, you're not, your mental health is not, you know, optimal. So it's, it's not just about back pain. I, I think there were so many other issues. I was overweight. Uh, that was contributing to the back pain. I was sitting for 10, 12 hours a day. I was not sleeping well, not eating well. So yes, it wasn't just the back pain, but it was the multitude of issues that uh, gave rise to it, you know. I'm, I'm, I'm almost feeling like you're pointing a finger at me. No. <laughs> you're overweight, you have bad posture, <laughs> you have mental health issues. But no, I, I, I can identify with each and every one of them. Absolutely. Weight, posture, stress, th those are the things that you're dealing with so much of that, that you ignored the long-term impact that it has on your body. Now, the one way to deal with that is, and a lot of us do that, improve your diet, go for a walk, get a little exercise. You've taken it to a whole different level. I want to know what drove that, especially because you had about 15 years of work that you had done in the past that you're saying, I'm going to let that go. It served its purpose then. I enjoyed it. But now I want to go down a whole different route. What drove that? Well, um, so... You know, I'd have to give a lot of credit to the Infosys campus in Bangalore for that. So, um, you know, long before mental health was a thing, um, Infosys, uh, you know, I, I think they were actually interested in their employees being healthy. You know, so we had a gym uh, in the campus, like a world-class gym, not just, just a small room somewhere. It was a world-class gym with proper trainers. We had swimming pools on campus. We had, uh, you know, a multitude of cafes and, and uh, other eating out options uh, on the campus. And, you know, they enabled us to choose a healthier lifestyle. So one thing was, um, you know, that I was looking to lose weight. I was looking to feel better. And the options were available to me um, more easily than they would have been for, you know, for someone else uh, in my, in the, in the same position or same situation that I was in. Sure. Um, sure. And uh, I think, you know, so that's one bit of it. That's a logical way of looking at it. But another thing is, you know, the practice of yoga itself. Um, why do people who practice yoga uh, manage to stick to it for like now it's been a decade for me, a little over a decade as a practitioner, but a decade teaching? You know, why is it that people who, who take to yoga, uh, they they never look back? You know, there is something about the practice of yoga. Um, we we see an attrition in, in the number of gym goers. You know, people register for the gym every year and they go for, you know, in the months of Jan and Feb and we're going to see that now. And then they quickly drop off. But yoga seems to stick to people. And the reason for that is, in my opinion, because... Uh, yoga is not only about your physical uh, aspect, you know, um, the kind of as the kind of movements that you have, like the Surya Namaskar or any other asanas that, you know, that, that we practice. They're not working on you only physically, although that is the first thing that that attracts us to the practice of yoga. These uh, movements are working on you on a mental plane, on a spiritual plane. Um, and they are slowly changing you as well. So I think um, it was just, you know, trying that first yoga class and sort of saying, OK, I'm going to give this a shot for three months. And then it's the yoga that sort of, you know, uh, kept me going. It was the yoga that drew me uh, to it. Excellent. Yeah. So, you know, that's what I want to explore a little bit more, because not only did you practice yoga, you then taught yoga, you then did a master's in yoga. You're hoping to do a PhD, and we're going to come to Samyajit with that a little bit uh, later. But you've also written a book and uh, been published and available on uh, Amazon and Kindle, Beyond Asans, The Myths and Legends Behind Yogic Postures. Tell us a little bit about that, because... 
यू डोंट इवन थिंक अबाउट दैट राइट द सूर्य नमस्कार इज द सूर्य नमस्कार द शवासन विच इज माई फेवरेट योगासन इज 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 जस्ट दैट यूर लाइंग ऑन द फ्लोर यूर गेटिंग टू रिलैक्स पोज यूर स्ट्रेटनिंग यूर स्पाइन बट देर इज थॉट बिहाइंड इट एंड दर दर इज थाउजेंड्स ऑफ इयर्स ऑफ stuff written treatises uh, uh uh practice i'm assuming that's what you've explored in the book yes so i'd i'd like to start uh, by saying uh you know right being a writer being a published writer was my childhood ambition and that i think came from all the experiences that i had you know moving places moving cities countries languages you know i i had seen so much and i'd experienced so much and i was very much um you know what you call a third culture kid uh, you know a kid who lives in different countries different cultures so um my my childhood ambition uh, was always to become a writer you know and and i i don't think that goes down well with a lot of parents you know that their kids want to write for a living or paint for a living you know but um but all through my engineering all through my uh, you know stint with infosys and accenture i had wanted to write a book when i was in infosys i was writing a, writing a book about a girl who was in infosys and she didn't want to be a, a you know a, a software engineer she wanted to be a writer wow so okay. <laughs> i've been yeah so uh, you know my life has just uh, you know inspired me to write um inspired me to read and i think um yoga being the kind of subject that it is it's a philosophical subject it's one of the oldest philosophies in in the world in world history you know no wonder it inspired me to write a little bit more to go deeper than just the asanas hence the name beyond asanas um and uh, it it came out of that because i was i was looking at um yoga from a Uh, in a more holistic way i was not just uh, you know trying yoga at the, the when i wrote the book it it had been i i was practicing yoga for about um 12 13 years i had been practicing till then um and i i saw that there was a disconnect um you know that people had between what yoga was and what people's perception was there was a huge disconnect um in that so so this was my attempt to sort of uh, tell people um uh, people who uh, were just dabbling uh, in the practice about why um yoga is so much more than you know just the physical practice and sort of um you know for beginners of yoga it's uh, it's difficult to find this kind of information it's difficult to find uh, stories uh, that link yoga to our culture link it to our heritage so for instance um you know dog pose adhamukha uh, svanasana why you know why would there be a pose called downward dog pose there's an upward dog pose also why would, it's not only because you know a lot of people a lot of teachers also say that well yoga is all about nature and you know people were just observing nature and they saw these animals and then they named it after uh, you know after the animals but hmm. it is not just that you know Fair. um dog there's some more thought in it yes yes and um in in our culture and in a lot of other cultures dogs like a dog is a man's best friend you know so these sayings they come from somewhere uh they, so and there are references in our we have mythology we have stories about dogs where dogs play a central role so i've explored all of that you know i've i've made an um an attempt to sort of uh demystify uh, these asanas for for people just so that i can as a reader i will be able to understand why i'm doing this versus just doing it because i'm instructed to yes yes absolutely to add, to add that dimension like another dimension to the practice of yoga beyond just the physical uh, physical practice yes fantastic now look at some point i want to bring somyajit into this uh, because here's what we're trying to help you with now you like a good traditional saver somewhat unlike me I've started saving pretty much from your first salary onwards. Is that correct? Yes, thanks to my parents. Yes. Um, Fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> so, so basic savings are in place. Your 
insurance, if you will, your SIPs, if you will, a little bit of a retirement plan. But you have you have future goals. You want to have eventually, once COVID is done, a couple of years from now, perhaps a yoga studio. You also want to study further, whether it's uh, uh, going to a yoga guru or whether it's a PhD. You also want to uh, uh, perhaps plan a family. So as much as the simple savings are in place because you've had that much time to do it and you've been successful in both your careers, we do want to plan a little bit ahead. So let me get uh, 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 Jeet into this. Jeet, hi. So you've, you've had a perspective of what Pragya is about, what she's been doing. And uh, I, I'm still on the childhood that she's led, but I'll get over that at some point. <laughs> but uh, Jeet, uh, help us out with this. This is not the traditional, you must save 25% of your salary to the best extent that you can. Pragya's learned that from family. She's 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 imbibed that. She's been doing that. She's got a chunk uh, available to her. So it's it's not. Let me teach you how to save. It's a little more involved than that. It's it's what her future goals, what she wants to achieve, her future goals, but the ability to have the funds available so she can execute that. A yoga studio is not cheap. To go and do a PhD in the luxury of not working while you're studying is a huge advantage, but it costs money. How would you plot something like this, Somyajit? Uh, what are we looking at? Are we looking at chunks? Do you need information from Pragya about the figures that we're looking at? Yeah, hi. Thanks, you And thanks, Pragya. I, I just couldn't stop noting down, you know. <laughs> uh, and uh, fantastic, uh, you know, your career progression is really uh, worth uh, hearing more, and I'm sure you are encouraging a lot of other people like you uh, over the years and uh, with your books, with your uh, with your success, uh, you will encourage more and more people to 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 take options like yours to listen to your heart and move on in life. So, as a financial planner, uh, you know, uh, to be honest with you, I'm finding a lot of things in common. Uh, uh, including my own back pain. Uh, <laughs> oh, welcome so, to the club. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, leaving uh, uh, a job and starting something on your own, uh, I'm sure your uh, habits of saving, which you uh, received from your parents, has been of great help. And that's exactly what we tell to every young person. It is really not important how much you are earning uh, because if you spend one rupee more than what you're earning, then you are back to the square. You're just working more to earn more and spend more. So as a disciplined uh, young person, all that is important is how much you are saving, how much uh, you are able to save at a very early stage. So we have found that, you know, uh, more evolved, uh, I must say, young people like you who have started saving early has a plan, has a clear career path. And that path itself derives uh, or, or provides that inner strength that, yes, I can take this plunge because I have something to fall back on. So as a financial planner, uh, we are actually the, the experts in guiding you with that financial plan, with that step-by-step -step approach by which our clients come to know how much 
uh, is it uh, to save? At what at this rate, if they save and if the if the returns come at this X rate, how much will the corpus be? Uh, and when you do not, uh, you know, working, you are when you are not really working towards earning money. Uh, we have seen that our clients actually do better. You know, once you have reached a stage where you have created enough corpus which will sustain you for the rest of your life, that's when their their performance also goes up. You know, they, they are not now really working for money. They are working for pleasure. If me and Jaggu has to do, uh, has have to do yoga, then we have to actually come to you and learn it the hard way. But when it comes to discipline, financial plan, all you do is share your information. We make the plan and we help you follow it. So it's like we sort of uh, work alongside you, uh, track your investments on a daily basis and exactly put a path by which you come to know when you can take certain decisions. So, uh, Somyajit, if we're looking at, uh, let's, let's focus on, uh, say, a near-term goal, like a yoga studio, for, uh, for example. A lot of things have now moved online, but at some point, if one looks at expanding, one needs a base. Now, Pragya, correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, I know we're answering this question that you've raised on your behalf, but pretty much anybody in your sphere, your peers, your colleagues, uh, are grappling with the situation. Sure, there are different stages of their life, but at some point, the aim is to have a yoga studio, a place to call your own, uh, your personal headquarters, if you will. Is it safe to say that you're not the only one within your sphere that is actually looking for something like that? Yes, yes. I, you know, most uh, yoga teachers need a space uh, to teach. Um, and not everyone is comfortable or not everyone has a house where there's an extra room, you know, full of yoga props and yoga mats, you know, where they can call uh, their students home. So so I think most people, yes, are looking for it. We, we'll extrapolate that using your example. Uh, give us a sense of costs. What, what, what do you need to start with? What is a running cost? What is a break-even? Just give us ballpark figures. So um, a yoga studio, to establish a yoga studio, it can cost anywhere from, let's say, 10 to 15 lakhs, you know, depending on uh, the kind of work you need to get uh, done on it, how, you know, the kind of props you would want, the kind of yoga mats. And uh, then, you know, you might want to employ a few people as well. Uh, you know, you, you definitely have a receptionist to answer questions, answer the phone. Uh, so all of this is between, uh, you know, 10 to 15. It could even go up to 18 lakhs. Um, and uh, yoga, uh, yoga teacher salaries. Um, and, and that's where the challenge is because it is, um, you know, it's usually a freelancing uh, job. You know, we are not, we are independent teachers. We, uh, we are not employed full time. So the, uh, the amount of salary, the salary you draw every month is also variable. So let's say a teacher uh, like me who's been teaching for about a decade, we would draw anywhere between um, 2.5 to 6.5 lakhs, you know, depending on who the students are and, and a good, uh, you know, so for instance, in Jan, I'm expecting a lot of people to register for classes. Everyone has those New Year resolutions. Um, but, you know, then you see that petering off uh, by m the middle of the uh, of the year, you see you know a drop in in classes and things like that. So uh, it's all variable. But these oh, so you have a you'll have a monthly change in income almost, and on a sort of sliding scale, Jan to December. Yes. yes. So you need to literally factor in a lower income, say July to December. Yes. 
Okay, yeah. interesting, interesting. And so you're looking at, sure, you have a startup cost of 10 to 15 lakhs, maybe 18 lakhs. Uh, and these are figures for metro cities in India, I would believe. Hmm. Yes, uh, yes. Your monthly cost that you need to factor in, we're not even getting into the income side, into the fees right now, but... Uh, the monthly cost, what would you have to factor in? You're talking about salaries, running costs, electricity bills, that kind of stuff. So I'm thinking, uh, you know, rent in, in a very nice uh, location in Bangalore, which is accessible for a lot of people, which is a prime location where you'll have a lot of students, that, that could go up between uh, 40000 to 60000 a month. And that's just your rent, you know. Um, then you'll have your electricity bills, um, uh, you know, you'll have your maintenance charges, all of that, that could come up to another 10,000. If you're employing um, uh, people like, uh, you know, to clean the place, um, that could easily be another 10,000, uh, you know, so all of, yeah. So these are these are the costs that, uh, that I'm thinking of. And if it's a studio that involves more than one teacher, then you're talking about teacher salaries. Teacher salaries also, yes. Teachers, uh, you know, especially like uh, junior teachers, um, fresh teachers who, who are looking for teaching gigs, so to speak, um, they would be earning somewhere between 25000 to 30000 a month. Uh, and this is excluding, um, you know, the extra classes that they might do over time that they might do. So this is twenty five to 30000 Yeah. So uh, is it fair to assume that uh, you have a startup cost, but you have a running cost of about a lakh and a half to two? Is that a fair figure to take? Okay, okay. Swamijit, so now we don't have to worry about Pragya's savings as it were. We need to more worry about creating a corpus for the future. What would you advise under the circumstances? So Pragya, one question here. You know, what, what if, you know, for some reason your studio doesn't work well and after one year you realize that you have to close it? What will be your sunk cost? The cost that has gone down the drain. How much will that be? Uh, that I would have to calculate. That would be all of this. It would be about uh, 15 lakhs plus, uh, you know, a lakh every month. So that would be uh, 12 plus 15, yeah. Let's say 27, but let's say 30. 30? Okay. On the outside, can I take 35? Okay. Now, do you have 35 lakhs worth of savings today? 30, I, I should actually. Like, if I factor in all of the, yeah, all of the mutual funds, all of the stocks... I might actually, I might. Yeah, yeah, I might. But then you're wiping me clean. Like, then I'm like very precariously placed. Okay, so uh, so when we help, uh, you know, budding entrepreneurs like you plan for the next level, this is like uh, the minimum that one needs to have. So if you are saying that you try this out uh, and in one year's time, you also lose... Uh, your five lakhs a month, which you are earning today, because you will have to put in a lot more effort, which is your sweat capital, into the business. So your own income may may drop. Actually, you're you're completely right. Yes. And then after one year, if it doesn't work well, then you have to again restart what you are doing today. So it may not really go up to five lakhs in month one. So it again would need. Uh, to recreate your your student base and uh, to get back to your current level of earning, you may need another one year. So practically, a minimum uh, saving uh, portfolio of 50 lakhs is what you need to have. Uh, 
And how soon can you create that will sort of be the timeline for you to start thinking about this venture. Okay. So can I ask you a question? Yeah. So um, let's say, a, you know, a, a teacher who's just started, you know, like a teacher who's, you know, earns, uh, let's say, about a lakh a month and they've just started. Would you recommend that it's much better to then get this, um, you know, something like this financed, get the studio financed instead of putting in your own uh, savings? Pragya, are you talking a bank loan? Are you talking an investor? Uh, either one, either. Yeah, because like now I know a lot of people who've gotten investors, you know, um, to finance their studios. So, uh, as I was saying, uh, Government of India provides uh, mudra loan to budding entrepreneurs who are planning to set up small businesses in India. Up to 10 lakh uh, loans, uh, it, the paperwork is very simple and uh, the bank is supposed to support you uh, with your new venture. Uh, and mudra loan can, can, can be received for a larger amount also. But then you have to you have to fill up a detailed form and give some kind of a business plan. You don't have to go to a chartered accountant or any planner or anyone to give you the, to to share to give those numbers. The form itself is self-sufficient for you to fill it up and submit to the bank, and the bank sort of evaluates the opportunity of your business and decides to fund you. So that is one uh, uh, way of looking for a loan. Apart from that, if you're looking for private finance, then uh, only your friends or family members would be uh, your best possible route. Someone who is uh, not known to you will not really risk any money for a new business. So if someone is really looking for a loan to start the business, obviously uh, there is no need to really have a lead time. But uh, because you are already uh, a settled entrepreneur, a settled entrepreneur who is now trying to look at the next level, I think, you know, uh, uh, one needs to be a little bit more, uh, you know, diligent and a little bit of, of uh, planning will really help you uh, realize uh, the business in a very short period. So, Somyajit, can I ask you this? You made an interesting point. We're optimistic when we start ventures, but one has to be realistic about it. You believe that Pragya should have a corpus of 50 lakhs set aside to account for what might, let's call it a worst case scenario. How would, how would you suggest that she builds up to that? She has a running income already. She's not about to start a yoga studio. So I think it's a matter of how much time will she need to get to that point? What are the figures you need to put into play for that? So, you know, there are, uh, you know, there are people who are starting their businesses from scratch. And uh, we have seen a very, very uh, uh, good rate of success as well. But what is that good rate of success? That good rate of success for a new uh, business coming to light from scratch in India is less than 1%. So obviously, the, out of that 1%, that 0.01% is becoming one name which we are all talking about on our coffee tables. Mm, mm, mm. So... Obviously, for Pragya, who is uh, a extremely well uh, educated, uh, able to start this business, she has all the required uh, tenets to to make it very big. 
there obviously uh, as her planner friend and advisor i would like her success rate to be 99% and that is this uh, endeavor the the endeavor is to ensure that pragya may take it a uh, step at a time and may take 3 uh, to 5 years to settle down well in her business but under any circumstance circumstance she cannot fall so uh explain to me what she needs to do in the next 3 to 5 years to one have a corpus aside and a sort of margin of safety aside as well as have enough to start a business what do you think she needs to do in terms of nuts and bolts what does she need to put aside every month where what is your feeling on that so uh firstly uh, she because she has a variable income she has to fix her base cost so she has to sort of write down minimum cost that her family needs from her uh which is food shelter uh, electricity uh, medical expenses uh, if she is supporting uh, her parents or anyone else apart from her family uh, or philanthropy that she has to keep doing so minimum cost that she has to pay put on the table on the first of the month anything apart from this party expenses you know expenses on food uh, in restaurants uh, you know clothes and everything else are discretionary spends these are not essential spends but we do it because we are earning well and we keep doing it but she has to sort of sort of like, like we, we we differentiate between uh, garbages you know uh, like that expenses have to be separated and once she does that for for one year because one cycle is very important because we will have one diwali every year and we will splurge <laughs> and go all out so one year is very important and if she just notes down then she would know how much she minimum requires in the next other the next four years for her to sustain and once she does that i can guarantee you that her her money available to to save will also go up significantly because base expenses for an indian family cannot really go up beyond 1 1.25 lakhs the rest of it is all discretionary and we can once we write down we will have a control over them i am not asking everybody to start controlling expenses but it's just that you know it's a mission for one or two years for someone like pragya and i'm sure she would be able to do that so somya ji two options if we're looking at starting earlier that's a very interesting aspect you brought up about the mudra loans where the government is willing to help budding entrepreneurs to begin their journey as it were and we're looking at a 10 lakh to 1 crore corpus but now we're talking about a fixed cost where you have to return principal as well as interest yeah so there are options available uh, you can even get hol- uh, you know uh, holidays for one or two years before you start repaying the, those loans So that depends on on the nature of the business, but in general, mudra loan would mean that you are only repaying the interest for the time being. Fair enough. Up until you've settled down and you're in a position a couple of years hence to start paying the principal also. The flip side of it is if you don't want to involve, let's call it external financing, whether it's friends and family or whether it's the bank or the government, you're looking at a slightly more disciplined approach, which which is something that I like. One, figure out what your costs are. because literally you are your own business so you figure out what your independent costs are and you're right you don't calculate it over a one month or two month period you need a cycle of 12 months to figure out the entire wave because 
with Pragya, the situation, as well as pretty much everybody who is in her sphere, whether uh, it is yoga, or whether it is a gym, perhaps, or a personal trainer, have great income for the first four to six months, and then it sort of peters out. So not only is she calculating how much she spends every month, including the pump-ups during Diwali or a annual vacation, she's also factoring in there is a reducing income in the course of the month. So her net savings in the second half of the year will be lesser than the first half of the year. So then a 12-year cycle, a 12-month cycle allows her to gauge all of that. Yeah, just one thing, Yagu. I'm not definitely not asking Pragya to spend less. I'm just asking her to keep a note of the spending. Fair enough. So that after six months, after one year, you yourself will be able to tell yourself that this is what I need next year again. This is my basic minimum need next year again. I can always not go to that restaurant and buy that cloth. As long as you have it, just note it down. That's it. I think I think that's a very yoga yogic approach to it. Um, in yoga, also we say observe yourself, you know, uh, and only then can you make any changes. So you're telling me the same thing. Basically, observe where you're spending. You're not asking me to take any drastic actions, but observe yourself, learn from it, and then see how you can modify your expenses, uh, your spending, or you know the way you handle your money. So that's a very yogic way, uh, yogic approach to. Yeah, so it it sort of oversimplifies uh, many things going forward. Actually, the moment I am able to divide my expenses into minimum, basic, and discretionary, then it becomes absolutely easy for a planner to tell you that for this basic expenses, uh, let's create a corpus in such a way that after five years, after seven years, for your food, shelter, and all. Uh, you may not need to really uh, think about it. You are sort of financially free. Fair enough. And financial independence is literally the name of the game. That is exactly why Somyoji does what he does. Pra- Pragya, we're hoping you have answers or solutions to uh, the main issue at hand. You can start with a loan right away, or you can uh, give it a little more time with a little more discipline. And five years from now you perhaps have your own yoga studio, which we both Somyajit and I should probably be looking at. <laughs> but I, 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 you know, if I have to, if I have to, you know, I've noted many things here. But uh, honestly, I think any time after a year, I think you are good to go. Because even if you have all the finances, I would still urge you to take a small bank loan. Because that will discipline your, your accounting very well. It actually helps you keep things in, on track. So even if a 10 lakh loan, which is very simple to get, and some for someone with your kind of background will get it within within maybe one month's time, it's always good to go for that loan. You know, sometimes when we uh, even see that a person can go away and right away buy a house for three crores, we say, sir, it only helps you have a bank as you go forward. They do the due diligence of the house that you are buying. And, uh, you know, even if you can pay the entire thing, it is always good to take a bank loan. Okay, that's great advice. I'll keep that in mind, yeah. Fair enough. Pragya, Swamirjit, thank you so much for being part of this. And uh, Swamirjit, for the advice that you've given. And Pragya, for bringing us this opportunity. Want to learn a little bit more about what you can do and plus the solutions that that have been provided are pretty much, I'm sure, going to help more than just you. And I completely, completely appreciate that. Uh, always remember, uh, small savings also uh, help you in creating a big corpus. Uh, just like a small thing like 15, 15, 15 is equal to 1 crore. 
15,000 rupees saved every month over 15 years at the rate of 15% creates 1 crore of rupees. So don't neglect those small savings also. Thank you. On that note, Somajit Pragya, thank you so much for doing this and wish you the very best. Thank you so much, Jagu. Thank you so much. That was Off The Beat, brought to you by SPI Funds Management. Thank you so much for listening. We'll no doubt be back with more very soon. Stay tuned and keep updated on the notifications. An investor education initiative by SBI Mutual Fund. To know more, visit fundguru.sbimf.com. For service-related requests, write to customer.delight at sbimf.com or visit sebi.gov.in for other queries. Mutual fund investments are subject to market risks. Read all scheme-related documents carefully.